Welcome back as the IFC presents another episode of the Archetypes of Destiny. My name is James Malamus. We've got a great episode for you. Today we join Gigi Alcalde and Dr. Lahab Al Samurai as we jump back into our story, The Body Keeps the Score, and discuss addiction to trauma. It's a great discussion. We can't wait for you to hear it. If you enjoy the IFC's The Archetypes of Destiny and want to support, make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast. So without any further ado, Dr. Al Samurai, take it away. Welcome back to another episode of the Archetypes of Destiny. I am Dr. Lab Al Samurai, and with me is Gigi Alcalde, and we are the Archetypes of Destiny. So this is our third episode. We're very excited. We are working with The Body Keeps the Score, and we are going to j- jump into that. So with that, Gigi, how was your week or a couple of weeks? Good. Down for Good. a couple of weeks. Where did you go? Uh, I was in Kauai uh, for vacation. Yeah. Um, beautiful place. Yeah. Um, we were very lucky and blessed. Uh, the hurricane didn't hit Kauai yeah. or Maui. It's really devastating what's going yeah. on there. And, um, but yeah, very grateful for that experience. So just getting back to work and catching up. Well, it's great to have you back. So we were going to jump back into our story of The Body Keeps the Score. And this week we thought we'd cover a part of our story. We're going to move to Chapter 3. But before we move in Chapter 3, at the end of Chapter 2, there is um, there's a divider, there's a new heading. This is on page 31, and I quote, addicted to trauma, the pain of pleasure and the pleasure of pain. So this is how he starts. It's a little controversial title, but it makes sense in terms of how we think of trauma. Why do so many people hold on to the idea of pain is okay? or that pain is livable, or should be livable. So, Jeej, what are your thoughts about? Yes, this this topic where I think it's very, very interesting and so uh, relevant to our work because essentially the question that Dr. Uh, Vanderkoek was asking himself when he was noticing his clients with a history of trauma, kind of gravitating towards new traumatic experiences or trouble or, uh, you know, difficult or dangerous situations in their lives. And he was questioning himself, well, why are, if they gone through so much pain, why are they, again, getting into this um, abusive relationship when yeah. you have a history of, a, you know, a sexual abuse? I think it's one of the cases that he... He, he talked about in the chapter and he was kind of questioned why is that happening why are people repeating this trauma cycles or putting the, themselves into the situations that are um, potentially re-triggering the trauma so 
I think the explanations that are given here are really helpful for clinicians to better understand how the brain works and how, how you were talking earlier in our, in our kind of uh, discussion prior to the podcast, how is that, how the, that becomes the pleasure pain cycle. And yeah. I would love to kind of speak more to that. Um, well, he starts talking about Freud and he says, Freud had a term, and this is on page 32, second paragraph, Freud had a term for such re trauma reenactments, the compulsion to repeat. He and many of his followers believed that reenactments were an unconscious attempt to get control over a painful situation that they eventually could lead to mastery and resolution. And then he says there is no evidence for that theory. Repetition leads only to further pain and self-hatred. In fact, even reliving the trauma repeatedly in therapy may reinforce preoccupation with fixation. So mm -hmm. I think what I think what Freud and his followers got clued in on was this compulsion if we take just part of the theory which is the compulsion to do it again okay well why would we compose what we know now from the field of the brain because we are advancing like in huge steps what we're doing in decades is hundreds of years of work that are being erased and rewritten as we speak so the brain when it's under duress takes care of itself which means that it has active defense mechanisms so when the body is stressed and for a long period of time when it's triggered the the body, the brain releases endorphins. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of pleasure is unconsciously connected to that pain. And therefore, the pain and pleasure of the moment seep into my world as just the way it's going to happen to me. So at one time, the brain is perceiving pleasure even when it's in pain. Now, we're not saying you are perceiving pleasure. We're saying the brain perceives pleasure. Mm -hmm. And what the brain is doing is, is on its own mechanism. Remember, the brain is the CPU. It's the central processor. Mm -hmm. So what the brain is doing is basically working on the imprint. When we're traumatized, there's an imprint, there's an echo, there's a wave, there's a massive energy wave that disrupts our mechanism completely. It throws it off mm -hmm. to the point where we disassociate, we go into fight or flight or freeze. We, we go back to our original programming to the core part of the survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. But that imprint leaves an echo. It's like an echo in time. So when it's activated, we're activated and the pain starts 
and the pain moves through us and we become very upset and angry and the brain releases endorphins. So you feel good, but you're not feeling too good, but you feel good enough. Right. But the brain is flooded with endorphins. Now the brain feels, oh, you know. So that's so what creates the that behavior to gravitate towards those experiences. Yes. So mm -hmm. it triggers it triggers the pain pleasure response. Mm -hmm. My pain starts, and you know, if it goes on long enough and I cry hard enough. And I am completely overwhelmed. And then I feel like I'm in shock. And then I have a deep sleep and then I wake up and I feel better. So that must be my cycle, right? Mm -hmm. It's not because it's the way the brain deals with the situation when it's triggered. Right. The brain has active defenses always. Even though the trigger is coming from a different part of the brain. Mm -hmm. right so the trigger is, is like okay it's triggered you triggered the primal response but the prefrontal cortex is gonna weigh in on what's going on it's gonna try to make sense out of whatever you're doing mm -hmm. right right because that message is coming from a different part of the brain So I have to fix that message. That message is wrong. That message, that message is hurtful. I think he gives a response of, he gives a um, example of his patient, Julie, who was uh, brutally raped at gunpoint in a hotel room at age 16. And she, this is on page 31. Shortly after that, she gets involved with a violent pimp who prostitutes her and regularly beats her up. And she goes through this very, very traumatic lifestyle for a while until her grandparents um, convince her to go to rehab and get treatment. Um, after treatment, she ends up finding somebody who also beats her up and attacks her. And she finally decides that she doesn't want to be in that life anymore. So he's asking questions of what was forcing her to go back into those relationships mm -hmm. because they were so painful, so traumatic. What forced her? So he, this is why he thought Freud's theory was completely wrong. And I've heard that. I think that's still like going around that idea of if I find myself in a traumatic experience, but this time I'll have control, then I yeah. can overcome it or I can, again, and I think it's an unconscious process, right? Yeah. But I don't think, like he says, there's really a resolution found in that with that uh, perspective or theory because that what that does is just re-triggering the individual um, yeah they get more traumatized right if somebody watched their uh if they watched one parent beat another parent when they get into a relationship where they are beaten they're just getting re-traumatized right so why do they stay 
you know why is there what they call a reenactment why do they stay in this play well according to Vanderklok, he believes that it's because the way the brain reacts to the pain is by releasing chemicals mm -hmm. to make you feel better. Right. Well, and they did an experiment. It was a small experiment, mm. him and his colleague, in which they kind of got some some feedback in terms of how um, Vietnam Vietnam combat veterans would uh, react to two different films and being exposed to their hands being exposed to like cold ice cold water yeah and how long they could keep their water on the cold or their hands on the cold water and I guess their their findings was that in a in a violent film like like war yeah. they um, use platoon platoon right? yeah platoon they were able to hold their 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 hands on the water in that painful experience like 30 percent more than on a regular feel-good film yeah which is fascinating right right because the brain is watching violence unfold over and over again and the brain is traumatized okay mm -hmm. what would make it stay you know what you know the feeling of I can't look away? Why can't I look away? Why can't I tear myself from what is happening in front of me? Because it really doesn't feel good. At the same time, mm -hmm. the brain is releasing different chemicals, serotonin, endorphins. Right. It's releasing those chemicals into the brain. It's flooding your body with it. Right. Well, they say we've done calculated the amount, that the amount of anal analgesia produced by watching 15 minutes of combat movie was equivalent to that produced by being injected with eight milligrams of morphine about the same dose a person will receive in an emergency room for crushing. can you imagine so can you imagine so you basically that's like uh going into the emergency room and they like give you a shot and you're like ah oh, everything's okay Right. So that that's, that's morphine. Right. Yeah. But I think it's what's interesting too, and and I think pro I'm I'm not sure if it's clear in this section, uh, that if we all can do that, like humans, that's the brain, our neurobiology uh, works you know, that way. Yeah. As a mechanism or if people with trauma would have that even more increased because of well i think it's because of the trauma mm -hmm. because if you think of if you think of pain and pleasure sitting on two opposite poles okay so the middle pole would be the middle between pain and pleasure is um not feeling anything or you know, not feeling pain or pleasure. Like apathy or, or yeah. neutral. Neutral, numb. So if you get closer to the pleasure, you're feeling good. So always like five, 10 degrees off zero, you're feeling good. 
five, 10 degrees off of zero in the negative, you're feeling bad. Okay, what happens when that zero goes to negative 100? Mm -hmm. Well, so you go into this state of real painful trauma. You start to relive the trauma. It's almost like having um, a flashback, a really horrendous flashback. Right. So what the brain does is is trying to treat itself. Right. So that's yeah. that's what it happens is like it's trying to treat itself. It's trying to make itself feel better. Yes. No, it's yeah, it's trying to protect us. And I think as we were talking, I think this is such a important information to have especially for trauma survivors because often with this patterns of attracting more trouble or or re-exposing yourself to stressors or yeah. trauma in your life people blame themselves or or you know um what, what was the thing that you said like say i deserve this yeah, it's my fault. It's my fault. And I knew, and I knew better. Fact, right. Yeah. But when in fact, again, you might be just hooked in that pleasure pain cycle. Yeah, your brain is. That started with, with your brain trying to protect yourself in the first Exactly. Place. Yeah. I think, again, to me, it really brings in a much more compassionate view of how our bodies in our brains and yeah. you know we're trying to like protect us and it's not a, a necessarily a bad thing even if it feels of course that way going through yeah. a whole experience right yeah there's not the, the the brain doesn't have a judgment over pain and pleasure it's uh it's basically trying to regain balance so like it's it's not like i'm enjoying this because there's endorphins released. No, you have no idea. What's happening is inside your brain. <laughs> right? right? So what's happening in the brain is like, oh, you know, there's so much pain. Oh, I need to, I need to take care of this pain. It's too much. The body gets stressed when there's that much pain, right? Mm -hmm. The heart gets stressed. It starts beating faster. The kidneys get stressed. The liver gets stressed. Our lungs get stressed. We start breathing faster. Our um, our arteries constrict. You know, so we we as a mechanism is under duress, and that's when the brain kicks in and it says, "Okay, well, we need to stop this." Right. It's a, uh, it's survival at that point. Absolutely. Like, return to homeostasis. Yeah. First basically yeah 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 so you know you release you say well you know i had a good cry and it really felt good i felt like i released a lot of it but unfortunately it comes back in the next episode mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the worst part of it because it comes back it's like why did it come back you know i thought i released all of it what you released is what the brain basically gave you all those endorphins to make you feel better and make you feel like everything is fixed. But the fault is not in you. The fault is in the brain. <laughs> right? Because the brain went through this. 
So the brain is like, okay, yeah, everything is back to normal. Right? Like you said, it's about survival. Everything is back to normal. We could go, yeah, we could do whatever we want to do. It's not a big deal. I could still get on that plane. I fear flying like nobody's business. Sure, I get on that plane. But you can't. <laughs> but the brain says at that moment in time, you could do anything you want. Mm. Right? So it tells you stories that lies to you. And actively, your brain actively lies to you. Mm. You know, they'll say, oh, you know, I'm really, I, I think I feel terrible. No, you feel great. It will actively lie to you too, as Gigi said, to keep you alive. To keep you from falling apart. To keep you from running into the bushes. To keep mm -hmm. you from running into the street. To keep you from screaming at the top of your voice. Right. Yeah. It'll even tell you, it's like, oh yeah, you can scream once, but you know, it's not a big deal after a first scream. I mean, you've gotten it out. <laughs> it talks you down from the bridge. Yeah. You know? And then you're like, who am I arguing with? Well, it's your brain. You know, that's who's who's telling you what you need to do. At the same time, it's telling you what to do. It's not like leaving it up to you. It's calming your system down. It's releasing chemicals to calm your system down, to sedate you. Mm -hmm. To make you feel like you are back in homostasis, as you said. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this is fascinating, right? It is. Yeah. And I I'm I'm thinking as you're talking to how do people with trauma have a higher threshold for pain because of this mechanism that has been in action for again for obvious reasons? Yeah. Because I've I've I, again I've I, in my experience and I I think probably yours with people working with people with trauma they've gone through so much and sometimes like how did you do that you know how their the resilience is just yeah. honorable and yeah. incredible and i wonder yes how do you get through through that yeah. those, you know through that life and are here right now you know so i'm i'm, I'm thinking how i don't know i've always thought there's and i think i had clients if i recall well saying that you know i have a I you know I can handle a lot of pain or yeah that's not that wasn't that bad or when it's objectively a really yeah experience so I'm not sure if that's been your situation or yeah absolutely yeah I think a lot of people can I I see a lot of my clients when they tell me about how they survive day to day when they tell me their stories I'm blown away mm-hmm because it takes a superhuman ability to be traumatized and to be able to go about your daily tasks, to raise children, to have a relationship, to cook food, to go to work, to play, right. to have fun, to go hiking, to go swimming. It takes so much yes. yeah. physical and psychological 
energy just to get through the freaking day. It's amazing. So when they tell me about what they deal with internally, because I, I like you, Jeej, we sit and we listen to the internal reality. They could tell us about their external reality, but what we're really listening to is how their internal world is formed. What's going on in the internal world? How is it being kept together? You know, then this study or this anecdotal study, it's, I'm, I'm sure this is an old book, by the way, this is about 10 years old. So mm -hmm. I am sure we have moved on in terms of uh, what we know about the brain. The, the brain is... Uh, one of the most advanced CPUs, actually the most advanced CPUs mm -hmm. um, on this planet. So you're talking about AI. Where did that idea come from? That came from your brain. You're talking about rocket ships. You're talking about engineering projects which defy logic. You're talking about the brain. You're talking about going to the moon. You're talking about the brain. Mm -hmm. You're talking about building microscopes and seeing things that we didn't even know existed that are in an invisible world. You're talking about the brain. So this complex structure, right? It does everything. Even when parts of it are not working, it will compensate. So what we do know about the brain is it compensates. So if one part is not working, it'll start using another part. If one part is damaged, we know this from brain injury. Another part of the brain will start to take over aspects of the work. Right. Right? Because that part of the brain was damaged. We know that the personality changes because a certain part of the brain is damaged. Why is that? Because it's it's the mechanism that keeps everything functioning, everything moving along, every part of you ticking along, right? So we have to these two centers between the brain and the heart. The heart is the other CPU. Mm -hmm. right? So what the brain is doing is it's working with the heart. It's like the heart is too stressed because you're stressed, because you're in a lot of pain. The heart is like beats faster and faster and faster, getting blood to flow, getting more oxygen to the cells, but it's also activating the brain. It's also telling it, I need, I need you to take care of something. I need you to fix this. We're under stress. So two systems that work as one, back and forth, back and forth. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. The study about pain and pleasure, the way the, the brain perceives pain and pleasure. Not the way you perceive. You perceive relief, not necessarily pleasure. Right. Although some people will say, you know, it feels good. I feel bad first. I hate myself, but then it feels good. That's what the brain is saying. The brain is saying, no, no, that's enough. You felt bad long enough. 
Right. And these webs in trauma and the way they work within the brain, right? So the, the, the trauma, again, it's a vibrational energetic disruption to the system, right? It throws it into chaos. So that leaves an impression. And an energetic impression. Right. That would be the complex. Would that be the complex? Yeah. The complex, the, the complex arises when the trauma hits mm -hmm. to contain the eruption. To contain the imprint, this impression that is left on the psyche, to contain it. Right? It gobbles it up. It attacks it. It throws its arms around it and says, okay, you're mine. Because it's there to protect you. Right. So that's another way of... In this, in this scenario, the mind or the psyche protecting itself. Too. Absolutely. Right. So we have the brain and like the biochemical piece yeah. and then we have the complex. Yeah. So we have a brain, we have a mind, which is the connection between this other thing that we feel that we are outside of this mm -hmm. physical state. And the psyche that contains all of this. Right. And so we're reasoning, but it's not just the brain that's reasoning. The brain is talking to something. It's talking in neuroscience that we're talking to other parts of itself. We talk to other parts of ourselves all the time. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, I love my hands. <laughs> or I hate my feet. Or whatever it is, whether positive or negative. We talk to ourselves all the time. It should be positive. You should never talk negatively about yourself. Because it's self-injurious, right? The brain does not discriminate. If you're angry about something and it's a part of your body, the brain could get angry at it. <laughs> Doesn't discriminate. Right. So that we have to remember also, right? So we, can't, we cannot blame ourselves or let's put it this way. We can't take all this responsibility upon ourselves. Oh, I did it to myself. Well... Not really. Right. Right. This is the way the brain behaves and you didn't do right. it to yourself. The brain has been, is went through a shock. It was attacked. So the trauma is an attack on the brain, right? This is where the complexes come in. It's an attack. So different parts of the psyche rise to defend against the attack. Now, what are these pieces? Because we know we have different conversations. We know we're talking to, it's like, who are you talking to? Well, I'm talking to myself. Okay, but that's okay. But who are you talking to? Well, which part of yourself? What are you discussing with this part of yourself? Mm -hmm. Why are you discussing this part? <laughs> you know, this is, 
some questions that arise. And this is when we're traumatized, suddenly the voices increase, which means that there are different parts neurologically of the brain that are basically trying to fix the problem. But the problem is, is that because there's a trauma, it separates the problem solving from mm -hmm. the whole mechanism to pieces of the mechanism. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, we hope we caught your attention in this episode about mm -hmm. the brain about pleasure and pain and help you think about it in just a tad different way. Right. Okay. Um, next week, we'll come back mm -hmm. to uh, Dr. Vanderklok the, to continue our exploration of the body keeps the score. Gee, do you want to say goodbye to everybody? You, yes. Goodbye. See you next time. It's a pleasure. Okay. Thank you, Jeej. We'll see you guys next time, okay? Take care. Thank you for tuning into the Archetypes of Destiny. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Al Samurai and DG Alcalde. You can also find us on the IFC's YouTube. Make sure to check out the JAMP Institute for Trainings, the Four Archetypes podcast as well. The IFC is a not-for-profit institution. We do not have any paid advertising for our podcast, but we do accept donations. All donations and contributions are tax deductible. Find more info at instituteforconflict.com.